ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. On today's episode of Sean's Sports Stop, I, Sean Tiplitsky, will report the biggest news stories in sports from Saturday, December 22nd and Sunday, December 23rd, 2018. We have lots to talk about. Uh, Anthony Davis saying that he prefers legacy over money. LeBron James and Anthony Davis having dinner together following the Lakers and Pelicans matchup in Los Angeles. The Tennessee Titans and Washington Redskins playing each other uh, with playoff implications on the line. The Baltimore Ravens playing the Los Angeles Chargers, two playoff teams. Army absolutely destroying Houston in a college football bowl game. The University of Kentucky upsetting the University of North Carolina in college basketball. Urban Meyer getting set to serve as the assistant athletic director at Ohio State University following his retirement, his second retirement from coaching. Um... The general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers saying that he is not sure whether or not Markel Fultz will play again this season. The Oakland Raiders possibly playing their games next season in the United Kingdom. Uh, the Houston Rockets getting set to sign Austin Rivers. Uh, there being a report that Josh Gordon took a thing took drugs that are stronger than weed. The New England Patriots winning the AFC East. The Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles edging the Houston Texans to keep their playoff hopes alive. Richard Sherman getting ejected for his role in a fight uh, in a game versus the Chicago Bears. Uh, The New Orleans Saints edging the Pittsburgh Steelers and clinching the number one seed in the NFC. The Seattle Seahawks edging the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm also going to cover the news results and future matchups of the professional sports teams based out of Los Angeles, California as well as some of the NFL scores that I uh, would not have covered in the notable news or big news section of episode number 205, as well as the updated NFL standings with only one week to go in the NFL regular season. But before I get into all that, I want to say that all feedback is appreciated. Please send me all your feedback, positive, negative. They're all appreciative. You can send me uh, whatever your thoughts are on seansportstop.com or email me at seansportstop at gmail.com also uh just yeah leaving a five-star review on itunes uh really helps me out uh follow me or not follow me i uh, currently don't have social media but anyway subscribe to me on itunes follow me on spotify uh that really does help me out and yeah, the last thing that I want to say is check out my friends over at Crimson IT. They are a Los Angeles-based managed IT services company that specializes in ultra-reliable and highly secure IT services for the small and medium-sized companies. If you would like to see if any of your company email passwords have been stolen on the internet, reach out to them. And for listeners of my podcast, since I appreciate you guys so much, they will run a free scan on the dark web for any, for any information uh, related to your company that has been leaked, stolen, or sold. And Crimson IT can be reached at 310-838-3700 or their website at crimsonit.com. So with all that being said, let's get down to the nitty-gritty and get this show on the road. The first story, as I said, has to do with the NBA. So as he ponders the next move in his NBA career, New Orleans Pelicans star Anthony Davis indicated money won't be the driving factor. Following the Pelicans' eight-point loss to the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday, Davis said he would, quote, take legacy over money. Per Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes, adding, quote, I want to have a legacy. All my people that 
All my people that look up to me, the younger kids, I want them to know about AD's legacy, championships, the rings I do in the community, being a good teammate, playing hard. All that stuff matters the most to me. Don't get me wrong. Money is amazing. But I think in that sense, money or legacy, I think my legacy will win that battle every time. Davis's comments are bad news for the Pelicans who can offer him more money than any other team. The five-time All-Star can collect a Supermax extension in, uh, in New Orleans or from New Orleans worth an estimated $240 million. His contract would max out uh, at $152 million elsewhere. Should he want to best position himself to win an NBA title, Davis' future lies outside of New Orleans. He's in his seventh year with the Pelicans, who have gone no further than the second round of the playoffs during that time. And that's the update there. Uh, now more news on Anthony Davis and his situation on where he will play. The Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, and New Orleans Pelicans' Anthony Davis reportedly met for dinner in L.A. on Friday night after the Lakers' 112-104 victory over the Pelicans. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported the update Saturday after James caused a stir Tuesday by telling ESPN's Dave McManaman it would be, quote, amazing to play alongside the superstar power forward. James end up James later shrugged off the criticism of his comments by naming several other high-end players he'd love to see join the Lakers, including Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Luka Doncic, and even former Cleveland Cavaliers teammate Kyrie Irving. Although three-time NBA, cha- although, although three-time NBA champion downplayed the significance of his Davis remark, some NBA general managers expressed concern to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com about whether the league is probably enforcing properly enforcing its tampering rules. Quote, it's New Orleans' problem today and a problem with a different player tomorrow for the rest of us, an Eastern Conference GM said. It's open season on small markets and our players. Meanwhile, Davis explained to ESPN Zach Lowe earlier this week he's not concerning himself with discussions about the future right now, saying, quote, I don't really care. Obviously, it's cool to hear any high-caliber players say they want to play with me, but my job is to turn the team around. If we're 15 and 17, I'm not doing my job. So that's that. Uh, actually, some of the things that I just said I've uh, reported on previous podcasts, but in case you didn't hear it, here you go. So switching gears to the NFL, some NFL games uh, happened yesterday on Saturday night. Uh, as they usually do close to the end of the season. The Tennessee Titans continued their late-season push for a playoff spot with a 25-16 victory over the Washington Redskins at Nissan Stadium on Saturday. Blaine Gabbert played the role of hero by connecting with Michael Pruitt for the go-ahead touchdown with four and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. He finished the game 7-11 of 11 for 101 yards and one score after coming into the game. Marcus Mariota left the game in the second quarter after suffering, suffering a stinger. The Titans uh, starting quarterback went 10 of 13 for 110 yards prior to his injury. While Washington struggles to find offense, Adrian Peterson did his best to carry the team. He finished with almost 120 yards on 26 carries. It was his third game also this season, cracking the century mark and the first time since week eight. Since being outscored 72 to 27 in back-to-back losses against AFC South rivals Indianapolis and Houston, the Titans move or the Titans have won a season-high four straight games to reach nine and six, heading into Week 17. And this is exactly what the Titans need. They need to get hot late. Uh, they're very similar to a team like the Indianapolis Colts, who, uh, if they squeak into the playoffs, can make a deep run. I believe the Tennessee Titans uh, less so, but I believe they have um, very similar potential to the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, these two teams played with playoff implications on the line as well. Quarterback Lamar Jackson threw for over 200 yards and a touchdown and added 39 yards on the ground as the Baltimore Ravens upset the Los Angeles Chargers 22-10 on Saturday at the StubHub Center in Carson, California. Taven Young's 62-yard touchdown return following an Antonio Gates fumble with 131 left sealed the Ravens' win. No player had more than 58 yards from scrimmage for the 11-4 Chargers, who lost for the second time in only 12 games. In the last 12 games, the 9-6 Ravens have won five of their last six since Lamar Jackson replaced Joe Flacco as the starting quarterback. I don't think that's a coincidence. 
Um, I think Lamar Jackson is getting a little bit too much praise for this. I think the fact that the Baltimore Ravens have the best defense in the NFL is getting overlooked. Lamar Jackson is not an elite quarterback in the NFL, definitely, at least not yet. I don't see him being the next Michael Vick. It's possible, but I don't see that happening. I think for him to be a successful, lasting quarterback in the NFL and not someone uh, that... I'm not saying he relies on the Ravens' defense, but if the Ravens didn't have an elite defense, didn't have the best defense in the NFL... The Ravens wouldn't be a good team with Lamar Jackson as quarterback. That's a fact. So with that being said, for Lamar Jackson to last in the NFL as a quarterback, he needs to learn how to pass the ball better. He can't rely on his legs. And you, as guys like this get older, they, they just get lost in the NFL. They don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, their career is over. So I think it's uh, better to be a two-trick pony, so to speak, than a one-trick pony and be able to pass the ball and run the ball. That's why guys like Russell Wilson are so successful because you never know if he can throw a 70-yard touchdown or have a 40-yard rush. Uh, you know, you never know what to expect from him. Uh, and um, same thing, Josh Allen had flashes of that, uh, even though Josh Allen is, is was not known as a rushing quarterback in college at the University of Wyoming. But he had a few rushes earlier this season. So I think Lamar Jackson, if he improves uh, the tools in his arsenal, he'll be a very successful quarterback in the league so with that said we're not going to be switching gears to college football the army black knights rolled to a 70 to 14 win over the houston cougars in the 2018 armed forces bowl um at mng carter stadium in fort worth texas the victory is army's 11th of the season the most in school history black knight quarterbacks kevin hopkins jr went three of three for 70 yards through the air and ran for 170 yards and five touchdowns on 11 carries their quarterback had five rushing touchdowns that's insane Army as a team ran for 507 yards and eight scores, the former of which is the most allowed by Houston in a single game per Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle. The game presented a matchup, matchup nightmare for Houston. The Cougars entered Saturday sitting 98th in rushing defense, allowing 197.1 yards per game on the ground. Army, meanwhile, was averaging 296.3 rushing yards per game, second best in FBS. Jeez. Talking about a, talk about a nightmare matchup. Jesus. Compounding matters, star defensive tackle Ed Oliver skipped the Armed Forces Bowl to prepare for the 2019 NFL Draft. So just a dominant win from Army to cap off a historic season. And respect to those guys. I thank them for their service, and it's pretty cool that they get to enjoy playing football. So uh, switching gears now to college basketball. More college sports, but this time basketball instead of football. Number nine, number 19, Kentucky earned their biggest win of the 2018-19 season so far with an 80-72 upset victory over the number 9 North Carolina Tar Heels. Keldon Johnson scored 23 while Reed Travis added 20 for the Wildcats in the CBS Sports Classic at the United Center in Chicago. They improved to 9-2, although this was the first victory of the year over a ranked opponent. UNT was coming off an impressive victory over Gonzaga, but the team fell to 8-3 despite 17 points from Cameron Johnson. So what I have to say about this... Is, this is very interesting because this is almost in a complete full circle turn of events from the University of Kentucky because in recent memory, they were always the favorite, the team number one in the country, always definitely in the top 10 in the country. And now, I mean, you can't say they fell off much, but they're number 19. They're not talked about as much. Everyone's talking about Duke, Gonzaga, uh, teams like that, Kansas, uh, the number one that actually just lost, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Nobody's really talking about Kentucky this year. They don't really have a star player. I mean, they produce so many NBA players, but it doesn't look like they have that star player this season that they're used to having. And with that said, nobody's really talking about them. So they're a bit of an, I can't say they're an underdog. They're still the number 19 team in the country, but they're definitely not the favorite that they used to be the, 
the powerhouse team that they used to be. And I'm not saying that they won't be in the very near future. They probably will be. They're, they're Kentucky basketball. That's what they do. But right now, they're a bit of an underdog. And that's going to be very interesting to see um, how they will be able to perform in the NCAA, in important games in the season and the NCAA tournament in the future, this March or next March, I should say, of 2019, with not much pressure. Nobody's going to be expecting them to make a deep run, really, because they're not not one of the top 10 teams in the country. They don't have the expectations that they used to have. They don't have any unfair expectations like, say, Duke does, where they have a team full of freshmen and they're expected to win the national championship. And I'm guilty of that too. I expect Duke to be the 2019 NCAA Division I men's college basketball champions. That's how hyped they are. That's how talented they are. So Kentucky has none of those expectations. And with that said, I would not be surprised if Kentucky makes a deeper run in the postseason than Duke does. Mark my words. I'm not saying this is going to happen for sure, but I'm saying this is a real possibility. So switching gears now to the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers just cannot catch a break with Markel Fultz. Or actually, first we have some college football to talk about, and then Markel Fultz and his fiasco. Ohio State football head coach Urban Meyer, who is stepping down after his team's Rose Bowl appearance on January 1st, will stay with the school as an assistant, as an assistant athletic director per Doug Lizamaris of Cleveland.com. OSU Athletic Director Gene Smith revealed the news to Lizamaris while noting that he wasn't yet sure what the job would entail. Meyer has gone 82-9 and nine at OSU since taking over the program in 2012. He won the 2014 National Championship. However, Meyer's tenure was marred by a three-game suspension for his handling of Courtney Smith's domestic violence allegations against then-assistant coach Zach Smith, her husband. Ohio State released a statement saying in part that Meyer and Smith and OSU staff quote, failed to take sufficient management action relating to Zach Smith's misconduct and retained an assistant coach who was not performing as an appropriate role model for OSU student-athletes. OSU offensive coordinator Ryan Day, who led the Buckeyes to a 3 no record in Meyer's absence, will take over as head coach. Pretty surprising to me that they're not going to look for a new coach. Instead, they're just going to promote the offensive coordinator. But, you know, they, they could, um, losing some bad seasons or underperforming seasons won't really hurt them. They, they won the national championship in 2014, so... Switching gears now to the NBA, Markel Fultz. I have no idea what is going on with him. I've actually watched a few YouTube videos. Sorry, shout out Jimmy High Roller, first of all. Watched a few YouTube videos. Read some articles. I mean, there's just, I have no idea what's going on with Fultz. Is it the yips? Is it not the yips? Is it shoulder? First of all, last season, did he get a cortisone shot injected into his shoulder? Did he get the fluid drained from his shoulder? Who, nobody, even his camp, doesn't know what's going on with the guy. It's ridiculous. The number one overall pick, he's just, it's like he forgot how to play the game of basketball. What happened to this guy? Um, anyway, so Philadelphia 76ers guard Markel Fultz has been out since November 19th with a shoulder injury, and it's currently unclear whether he will return during the 2018-19 season. Quote, I can't say right now, General Manager Elton Brandt said a Fultz's potential return per the Associated Press. Brandt said the decision is, quote, to be determined, and there will be more clarity in, quote, a few weeks. Jesus, there have been questions about the guard's health since he entered the league as the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. He was only, he was limited to only 14 games last season and has played 19 games this year with an altered jump shot also being a significant concern even when he is on the court and healthy, which I don't think he ever was healthy. His agent announced earlier this month that Fultz has been diagnosed with neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, which affects the nerves between his neck and his shoulder, per Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. If the 76ers believe he can get healthy and eventually live up to his very lofty expectations. It might be smart to give him extra time to re re uh, rehabilitate over the course of this season. 
considering he's still only 20 years old in his second season there's still plenty of time to turn his career around uh, one thing that I like to say when I uh, debate with Sixers fans about this is look at Joel Embiid the guy really didn't play for three he played a couple of games he same same thing with Fultz he didn't he really didn't play in the NBA consistently after three three years he sat out and look at who he is now Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate I'm not by no means am I saying that Markel Fultz will be an MVP candidate when he's fully healthy but I'm saying that you need to give him a chance like I said many times on my podcast young players in the NBA guys like Lonzo Ball Markel Fultz they have they have unreasonable expectations and that's just that so switching gears to college basketball another upset the number one team in the country was upset number 18 Arizona State handed number one Kansas its first loss of the season with an 80 to 76 upset Saturday at Wells Fargo Arena trailing 74 to 67 the Sun Devils ended the game on a 13 to 2 run to shock the top ranked team in college basketball Rob Edwards scored 15 points off the bench in the team's second straight win over the Jayhawks after winning the Fog Allen Fieldhouse last season. ASU is now 9-2 on the season with a 6-0 record at home. Candace, who falls to 10-1, got 30 points and 14 rebounds from Dedrick Lawson, but could not earn the win in the team's first true road game of the season. While it was a close battle throughout, Arizona State didn't get his first lead until just over two minutes left when Edwards nailed a clutch three-pointer. So huge win for Arizona State. Definitely a statement. And we'll see. I mean, I could see them making another pretty good run in the tournament. Um, but Kansas is definitely uh, still one of the best teams in the country, no doubt. Every team loses, especially in college basketball. It's so unpredictable. Um, nothing to worry about for Kansas and their fans, in my opinion. So transitioning now to the NFL, the Oakland Raiders, where will they play next season? One option is London. Per Jay Glazer of Fox Sports, other NFL teams have brought up the possibility of using London as the Raiders' home site next season. The Raiders currently don't have a lease to play anywhere next season. The city of Oakland followed an antitrust lawsuit against the NFL and all 32 teams on December 11th in an attempt to recover damages lost from the Raiders' upcoming move to Las Vegas. Quote, The Raiders' illegal move lines the pockets of NFL owners and sticks Oakland, its residents, taxpayers, and dedicated fans with the bill, Oakland City Attorney Barbara J. Parker said. The purpose of this lawsuit is to hold the defendants accountable and help to compensate Oakland for the damages the defendants' unlawful actions have caused and will cause to the people of Oakland. When ESPN.com's Paul Gutierrez asked Raiders owner Mark Davis if the lawsuit would prompt the team to leave Oakland after the season, Davis replied, quote, I have no comment on that at this time. The Raiders have explored multiple options for 2019. One possible option that I um, mentioned on episode number 204 uh, was playing at AT&T Park, home of the San Francisco Giants of Major League Baseball. Uh, so if you want more details, check out episode number 204 of Sean's Sports Up. The earliest the Raiders will move to Las Vegas, though, is 2020, which is when their new stadium is expected to be completed. So I think this is pretty cool. I know a lot of people are going to be opposed to this, a lot of Americans. But I think this is, in terms of the, like, first of all, for Americans, if you're not a big fan of the Oakland Raiders and you don't care about going to the games in person, why would you care if they play in Oakland, in the U.S., in the U.K., or on the moon, for God's sake? You get to still watch them on TV no matter what. So that that's, that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, but from the NFL's point of view, they're all, the NFL, all sports leagues in the U.S., as a matter of fact, baseball, hockey, hockey less so, but hockey more so in recent memory, basketball, football, they're all in favor of expanding globally, playing preseason games. I just reported in episode number 204 that the Sacramento Kings and Indiana Pacers are going to play a game or two preseason games in Mumbai, India. So they're all about playing, the NBA plays games in China and Brazil. Uh, NFL has played in London every year for the last few years. They, they've played in Mexico City. So as you can see, this is just all right off the top of my head. I'm sure there are plenty more games and times when uh, teams from these sports leagues played internationally in different countries around the world. Uh, 
So with that being said, I think this would be a great opportunity for the for the uh, NFL, excuse me, to uh, really appeal to um, British British fans who are obviously in love with soccer, rightfully so. I'm a huge soccer fan, but it's a great it's a great opportunity to showcase football for the NFL to to, to Great Britain, to the United Kingdom, and I think if this happens, this wouldn't be such a bad thing, honestly. So now switching gears back to the NBA. Um, Veteran guard Austin Rivers is heading to the Houston Rockets after the two sides agreed to a deal Sunday for the Houston Chronicles. Jonathan Fagan. Rivers began the year with the Washington Wizards, but was sent back to the or but was sent to the Phoenix Suns as part of the deal that brought back Trevor Ariza. The Suns waived him before he played a game with them. The 26-year-old failed to make much of an impact in Washington, averaging just seven points and two assists per game while come mostly coming off the bench. He ranked last on the team with minus 0.3 win shares in 29 games per Basketball Reference. However, Rivers has played far better in the past, especially last season with the Los Angeles Clippers. Starting regularly for the first time in his career, the guards had personal best with 15 points and 4 assists a game. He also shot 38% from 3 and played strong on-ball defense, which was especially useful after the Clippers lost Patrick Beverly due to a knee injury early in the season. Uh, that skill set is what made him a hot commodity after the Suns waived him. According to Shams Chirini of the Athletic and Stadium, the Grizzlies were the first team to show interest in Rivers, but, quote, four to five other teams also checked in on the guard. He eventually added up, ended up in Houston, a team that could use some extra backcourt depth, especially after Chris Paul suffered a hamstring injury that will keep him out for at least two weeks, as I, you can uh, hear what I said about that on episode number 204 of Sean's Sports Talk. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported Chris Paul had no issue with Houston signing Rivers, despite their, quote, unpleasant Clippers history together. So I think this is a good move for the Rockets. Um, they're looking to tread back, or they are treading back in the right direction. I think they'll be a playoff team in the very extremely tight Western Conference. I believe there's only like a three to four game difference between the third seeded team in the West and the 14th seeded team. So it's ridiculously and historically close. Uh, I read an article about it on The Ringer. So I would know. And yeah, switching gears now to the NFL. Lots to talk about in the NFL. Obviously, today was football, football Sunday, one week before the the last week of the regular season. So a lot of teams are clinching uh, playoff spots, division titles, and conference titles. By conference titles, I don't mean the AFC or NFC championship game, but having the best record in the uh, conference in their conference. So New England Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon reportedly violated the NFL's drug policy multiple times before his suspension, according to Ian Rapport of NFL.com, and tested positive for more than just marijuana. Gordon, who's 27 years old, was suspended indefinitely by the league, which was his fifth suspension since being drafted. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported Gordon was assigned was assigned people with him at all times by the Patriots, but the wideout slipped through the security plan. Man, he just an addict will always find a way, I guess. Uh, According to Jason Looking for of CBS Sports, the Pats, quote, had no in indications that Gordon was potentially facing another suspension. An unnamed member of the organization spoke to Looking for about Gordon, questioning whether the NFL's rules for suspended players would offer Gordon the support he needs, saying, quote, he is not a bad kid at all. We enjoyed working with him. I just feel awful for him. This is a really sad time for Josh and for us, and it's not about football. You always have to deal with injuries and different personnel each week. That's what all teams do. This is about Josh, and he's... And is he going to and is he going to be getting the right help and support now? Is this about helping or punishing a kid who has not shown that he can handle what the league says he should be able to handle? Because if this was easy, then Josh would have already overcame it. He needs he needs help and he needs support and direction. We were aware of that and trying to do that and trying to do what we could for him. And it's unfortunate we can continue to do that with him in our building, whether he can play or not. Uh, so this seems whoever this is in the Patriots organization seems like a very nice person, and uh, he's looking out for Josh Gordon. 
Yeah, on episode number 204, I gave my thoughts on Josh Gordon. All I'm going to say now is that it's extremely unfortunate for everyone involved. The Patriots, Josh Gordon, his family, his supporters, the fans, the NFL, everyone involved. Speaking of the Patriots, they uh, had Josh Gordon was definitely a negative side to things, but they experienced a big positive today as they earned their 10th straight AFC East title Sunday following their 24-12 win over the Buffalo Bills. New England's run of dominance can... Um, in the East, um, dates, we- dates back well beyond the last decade. Since 2001, the Patriots have failed to, to win their division only two times. This year's achievement might be less of an endorsement of the Patriots than it is an indictment of the division as a whole. The Buffalo Bills and New York Jets are looking toward the future, while the Miami Dolphins may finally have reached the point where they're ready to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Even if they beat the Jets in Week 17, the Patriots will have their fewest wins since the 2009 season. And I believe the Patriots... They're not as they're clearly not as good as they used to be. They don't have the weapons that they used to have. Tom Brady is now 41 years old. Josh Gordon is no longer with the team, as I just said. So the N- the uh, AFC in general in the playoffs for the first time in many years is wide open. I honestly have no idea who can come out. I could realistically, these are the teams that I can see come out. Obviously, the New England Patriots. I can see the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Indianapolis Colts. The list goes on and on, and there could be plenty of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who knows? Switching gears now to the NFC, the NFC East specifically, the Dallas Cowboys have won the NFC East title for the third time in the last five years. The squad clinched the division with a 27-20 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, with Dak Prescott leading the way with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott... Shout out to him. He led me into my fantasy win today in the playoffs. He finished with 85 rushing yards and 24 receiving yards in the win, which was the eighth straight game that he reached at least 100 yards from scrimmage. Once again, the defense was stout, enforcing two turnovers, including a fumble that Jalen Smith returned 69 yards for a touchdown. So huge win for the Cowboys, and they're riding high, it seems like, unless they lose, you know, unless they get shut, shut out again in Week 17. But I don't think that's going to happen. And um, I, I really could see this being the Cowboys' year. I'm not saying... I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl, but I could see them finally making some kind of damage in the playoffs for once. So switching gears now to more football, more NFL. Nick Foles still has the magic, and the defending Super Bowl champions are still alive. The Philadelphia Eagles, who are now at 8-7, beat the Houston Texans 32-30, keeping their playoff hopes afloat. Foles saved the Eagles' season yet again, driving the birds down the field on the last possession of the game to set up a Jake Elliott 35-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. Foles was excellent once again for Philadelphia, throwing for 471 yards and four touchdowns, but a costly fumble inside his own end, end ten, inside his own 10-yard line set up the Houston Texans with an easy touchdown. He also threw an interception, although those turnovers are a footnote on his huge afternoon. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson was mostly excellent as well, finishing with 340 passing yards for two scores, along with two rushing touchdowns. He also had a costly costly fumble in the fourth quarter, setting up an Eagles touchdown, but he led the Texans from from a 13-point deficit in the fourth quarter to put them ahead 30-29 to with just over two minutes left. So obviously, Deshaun Watson did his part, but Nick Foles, you know, his magic, he still got it. The Eagles are looking to stay alive. Uh, the, the Eagles need to either beat Washington next Sunday along with either a Minnesota Vikings loss or two Seattle Seahawks losses. And um, spoiler alert, the Seahawks did not lose today. I'll get into that very soon. Meanwhile, Houston, who falls to 10-5, and five, dropped to third in the overall AFC. By the, by the way, completely forgot to mention Houston. They easily could make a huge run in the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, they dropped to third in the AFC playoff standings. 
and they're now also one game out of the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC South. A loss next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars paired with a Colts win over the Tennessee Titans would give Indianapolis the AFC South title. So Houston still, even though they went on a huge uh, winning streak earlier this season, they have nothing set in stone just yet, much like the Philadelphia Eagles. So now switching gears to a game that doesn't matter for anyone before we get into more very important games uh, in the NFL. Multiple players were ejected during the fourth quarter of Sunday's game between the Chicago Bears and San Francisco 49ers. Mitchell Trubisky scrambled for what appeared to be a first down and drew an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Marcel Harris. The late hit spearheaded a scuffle between the two teams on the Bears sideline, which led to the ejections of 49ers cornerback Richard Sherman and Chicago wide receivers Anthony Miller and Joshua Bellamy per Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network. The first down was also wiped out as those penalties as well as a holding on the Bears resulted in their playing being nullified. Sherman talked with reporters after the game about his involvement in the fight, saying, quote, I'm a grown man. You don't grab, pull on me. I don't put my hands on you. You don't put your hands on me. You put your hands on me, you're going to feel me. It was, a, it was a clear number of Chicago players were upset with the late hit on their QB, which occurred right in front of the team's sideline. Uh, and Sherman did not hesitate to mix it up. This game really didn't matter for the 49ers. Um, it would be better if they lost it to Tank, but <laughs> that's that. Switching gears to even more football. Uh, bad news if you're a Los Angeles Rams fan like myself, but it was expected coming into this week. The New Orleans Saints clinched home field advantage in the playoffs following a 31-28 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. Drew Brees finished 27-39 for, for 326 yards and a touchdown. Michael Thomas caught 11 passes for 109 yards and a score. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 380 yards, seems Hall of Fame worthy to me, and three touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster, who tweeted Saturday he planned to play through a groin injury to help fantasy football owners during championship week, finished with 11 uh, receptions for 115 yards. And not only that, his final reception proved pivotal uh, toward the final outcome. He fumbled after making an 8-yard catch against Pittsburgh in field goal range. New Orleans recovered and ran the final 32 seconds off the clock, so the Steelers could have won this game. But uh, if you're a Rams fan, or you just want to see the Saints uh, fail, <laughs> this... Uh, this loss wouldn't make a difference. I mean, the Saints would win. Even if uh, the Saints would lose uh, next week and the Rams would win next week, the Saints would win the division. I mean, not the division, the conference, because they have the tiebreaker as they beat the Rams at home. So now switching gears to the last notable news story of today. In this, Believe it or not, I'm going to go out on a limb. This one has to do with football. I bet you never saw that coming. The Seattle Seahawks clinched a playoff berth with a 38-31 win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. Damn it. Hate the Seahawks. Me and the Seahawks, much like Stephen A. Smith and Dallas Cowboys, but I'm not as outspoken about it publicly. Russell Wilson threw three touchdowns, three touchdown passes at CenturyLink Field, while Chris Carson added 116 rushing yards and two scores on the ground. This was enough for the Seahawks to move to 9-6 on the season, clinching a spot in the postseason for the sixth time in the last seven years. You know, hate the Seahawks or not, that is a pretty incredible streak. Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns but left some points on the table with missed throws against a tough defense. The Chiefs had a chance to clinch the number one seed in the AFC with a win, but will now go into Week 17 without even the division wrapped up as the Chargers still loom large. So with that said, I'm now going to be switching gears to the Los Angeles sports teams, uh, starting with the Los Angeles Lakers who played today and unfortunately lost to the Memphis Grizzlies at home. This was an ugly loss. But the Lakers lost 107-99, falling to 19-14 on the season. Still fourth in the Western Conference, so that's very good. The Grizzlies, the Grizzlies improved uh, to 17-16, snapping a five-game losing streak. 
The Lakers' next game is a huge one, marquee matchup against the Golden State Warriors on the road on Tuesday, December 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. The Christmas Day matchup is going to be broadcasted on ESPN and ABC in prime time. I'll be watching, and uh, there will be post-game coverage. Uh, this this will be uh, I'll cover the Lakers and Warriors on episode number 207. That will be on Tuesday, December 25th. Christmas doesn't matter. No days off. For your boy at the Sean Sports Podcast Studios. The Los Angeles Clippers also lost a nail-biter today. Playing the team that plays the Lakers on Christmas. The Golden State Warriors losing 129-127. to 127. The Warriors moved to 23-11. and 11, While the Clippers fall to 19-14. and 14, And now they're 6th in the Western Conference. Uh, how, how crazy would it be if the Lakers and Clippers would play each other in the first round of the playoffs? Um, not far-fetched. You know, if the Lakers and Clippers finished 4th and 5th in whatever order. They would play each other. I actually didn't look at the Lakers stats for the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma had 11 points, 6 6 6 rebounds, productive game. LeBron James was LeBron James, played around and almost got a triple double with 12, 22 points, 7 assists, and 14 rebounds. In fact, I think the Lakers lost this game because LeBron James was trying to get his triple double, trying to dish out some assists to close out the game, but shots wouldn't fall. Ivica Zubats in his second start of the year impressed again with 19 points and 4 rebounds. Brandon Ingram had 20 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. Alonzo Ball was very bad tonight. Um, I believe 0-6 from 3, 4 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. Uh, missed two very important shots uh, late in the game. Josh Hart had 11 points, and Contavious Caldwell Pope had 10 points. So those are your Lakers stats and your loss to the Grizzlies. And the Clippers lost to the Warriors. They had some better stats. Tobias Harris had uh, 32 points, uh, 2 assists, 9 rebounds. Uh, Danilo Gallinari had a double-double with 25 points and 11 rebounds. Avery Belly had 12 points. Shea Gilders Alexander at 13 points. Lou Williams almost had a double-double with 25 points and 9 assists. Patrick Beverly also chipped in with 10 points. Um, and, man, I'm really, I'm really off right now. Uh, the Clippers, their next game is uh, a couple days off, or three days off, actually. Uh, and then they, they resume play Wednesday, December 26th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time against the Sacramento Kings at home. The Los Angeles Rams, I did not cover them as one of the teams on the notable news section of this episode. They played the Arizona Cardinals on the road, uh, destroying them 31-9, to improving to 12-3 and on the season, while the Cardinals fall to a very similar record at 3-12. and Just switch those numbers around, and it's the same record. And uh, the Rams' next game, uh, they close out their season Week 17 on Sunday, December 30th at 1.25 p.m. Pacific time at home against the San Francisco 49ers. And the game's going to be on Fox, as the Rams will look to improve to a very, very impressive 13-3 and on the season. The LA Chargers did not play today, uh, but as I covered, they did play yesterday, losing 22 to 10 to the Los An- to the Baltimore Ravens, excuse me, at home, um, uh, or falling to 11 and four in the season. The Chargers uh, will look to uh, finish the season with a 12, very very impressive record as well at 12 and four, if they can get past the Denver Broncos on Sunday, December 30th at 1:25 p.m. Pacific time on the road in a divisional matchup. The game's going to be on CBS. The Los Angeles Kings uh, have impressed me as of late. They have now won three games in a row. Um, so yesterday on Saturday night, they beat the San Jose Sharks 3-2 to in overtime on national television. Alex Ayafalo had a goal and an assist, and Ilya Kovalchuk had two goals, including the game winner in overtime. And guess what? The Kings played again today and on the road in another Pacific Division matchup. They took care of business and won in overtime again. This time it was 4-3 in overtime. So the Kings are now 14-20-3 on the season. While the Golden Knights are 2015 and four, uh, Jeff Carter had a goal. Michael Amadio had a goal as well. Alex Ifala had a goal, and Tyler Toffoli had the game-winning goal in overtime. So the Kings 
are, are impressing me as of late with three straight wins, despite still being one of the worst teams in the NHL. The Anaheim Ducks uh, played yesterday night, and they lost 3-0 on the road, got shut out by the Buffalo Sabres. I was I almost just said the Buffalo Bills. Not sure if anyone caught that. The Buffalo Sabres, the Ducks fall to 19-14-5, good for fourth in the Pacific Division. Now taking a look at uh, the NFL scores and standings, or I should say the scores, like the scores that I did not cover in the notable news section to close out episode number 205 of Sean's Sports Stop. So let's see, what did I not cover? The Atlanta Falcons beat the Carolina Panthers 24-10. No surprise there as, as Cam Newton has been shut down for the season. The Falcons improved to 6-9 while the Panthers fall to 6-9. Matt Ryan went 15-26, 239 yards with three touchdowns. Great game for Ryan. Uh, Brian Hill had a great game rushing for the Falcons, but no touchdowns. Uh, and Taylor Henke was horrible for the Panthers, 35-53 for 270 yards. 274 yards did have a touchdown, but he threw three interceptions. The Indianapolis Colts beat the New York Giants at home uh, in a very close game, 28-27. The Colts improved to 9-6, while the Giants fall to 5-10. Eli Manning for the Giants was pretty good, 25-33 for over 300 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Saquon Barkley rushed for a touchdown. Eli Manning rushed for a touchdown as well. And their kicker, Aldrich Rosas, provided 9 points. For the Colts, Andrew Luck was Andrew Luck, going 31-47 for almost 360 yards, 2 touchdowns and 1 interception. Marlon Mack. And Naheem Hines also rushed for touchdowns, respectively. Uh, let's see what else. The Green Bay Packers, or actually, let's, go, let's just go down the list. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Miami Dolphins 17-7 on the road and improved to 5-10, while the Dolphins fall to 7-8. Uh, the Jaguars played three quarterbacks, Cody Kessler, Blake Bortles, and Dede Westbrook. Kessler went 12-17 uh, with 106 yards. Blake Bortles went 5-6 with 39 yards, and Dede Westbrook only attempted one pass, and it was incomplete. Uh, so no passing touchdowns for the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette did rush for a touchdown, though, and the rest of their points came from their kicker. For the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill went 15 of 22 with 146 yards and a touchdown with one interception, and that was their offense right there. Um, the Chicago Bears beat the San Francisco 49ers 14-9. The Green Bay Packers beat the New York Jets 44-38 on the road in overtime, referring to 6-8-1 on the season, while the Jets... Uh, fall to 4-11. and 11. Aaron Rodgers went 37-55 for 442 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Aaron Rodgers also rushed for two touchdowns. Uh, so he provided with four touchdowns and, and 450 passing yards. So he, I started him in fantasy, so actually he led the way, not Ezekiel Elliott for me in my fantasy sport. And uh, their kicker, Mason Crosby, provided 12 points as well. For the Jets, Sam Darnold threw for three touchdowns and no interceptions, so he had a great game. Elijah McGuire also rushed for a touchdown. And there you have it for that matchup. The Cleveland Browns, who are on a big winning streak, beat the Cincinnati Bengals at home 26-18, improved to 7-7-1 on the season, while the Bengals fall to 6-9. Jeff Driscoll for the Bengals went 13-19 for 133 yards and two touchdowns. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield, my rookie of the year favorite, went 27-37 for almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Huge game from Baker. The Minnesota Vikings, who are still alive in the uh, wildcard playoff spot, contention <laughs> beat the Detroit Lions 27 and 9 on the road and the Vikings are now 8 6 and 1 while the Lions are 5 and 10 Kirk Cousins had a great game 21 of 28 over 250 yards with three touchdowns and for the Lions Matthew Stafford did not throw a touchdown and they did not rush for a touchdown all their points came from their kicker Matt Prater who was uh, probably very productive in the fantasy football world 
and those are all your scores from week seven or week 16 excuse me the only remaining game in week 16 will be played tomorrow night at 5 15 p.m pacific time uh, the denver broncos playing the oakland raiders in oakland the game's going to be on espn and ladies and gentlemen this is all we have for episode number 205 of sean sports up it was loaded almost 40 minutes long thank you so much for listening and as always see you next time